A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Yay! This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And it's Friday. It's The People's Podcast has arrived. Let's go for a ride. A meadow at the movies at the station. Uh, 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 I went to and I thought I'd go for a ride. Wow, wow, now, but I need to bow, 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 bow. Wow, wow, now, but now, 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 What do you think? Honky Tonk Woman, should I try again? I don't know. That one was kind of a hard one. Trying to incorporate some new cowbell songs for you here on Talk is Jericho. But it is a good day. Welcome to the show. I've got AJ Styles here for you today. Lots of great information from his time in TNA, from his uh, current incarnation in Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So much fun and love coming up. But before we get started, I just want to give another big thank you to you guys for checking out my sponsors. You can find them all in one place. Just go to podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com and click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. That will take you to Talk is Jericho and links to all my sponsors, including Amazon. All the Amazon links are there, too, from all the countries that are involved, Canada, UK, and the US. So go again, please, to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho. Find all my great sponsors. I got AJ Styles coming up. But first, we got the NHL playoffs going on. We have New York Rangers versus the LA Kings. What a showdown. What a uh, road to get to the Stanley Cup. 
Now, we know that the Kings have won the first game. They're leading one nothing. The, only the opening shot has been fired. really doesn't mean much. But I want to get on the line right now the hockey expert of the family because he played in the NHL for 10 years, one of my critically acclaimed guests, Ted Irvin. Finally on the line, we've been trying to call you, but you have some kind of a, a block on your phone. I'm sure that people are trying to call you every day to get your advice on the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes, the Odd Rangers are phoning, wondering how they can break down the LA Kings, so I've been giving them some tips, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, let's talk about this. I mean, uh, you are the NHL hockey legendary Ted Irvin, uh, also my father, grandfather of fish expert Ash Irvin. And um, what do you think so far? I mean, first and foremost, talk about uh, some a playoff that means something to you, the LA Kings versus the New York Rangers, two teams that you played for. It's really quite special, you know. You don't really follow everything till this time of the year. And you know, I, I started with Los Angeles Kings the first year. I was the first assist ever on Brian Kilray's goal. I appreciate the opportunity to play for the Kings, and I could trade New York Rangers and have six outstanding year with some great guys and great fans. And now both those teams are in the playoffs, so I'm really torn to to say who am I cheering for here? Well, who who are you cheering for? Uh, who's listening? Do you think? Uh, <laughs> Actually, you know, my heart's with New York because of the fans. I mean, I was more of a New York Ranger because L.A. at that time was just starting off. And when we played in L.A., more people cheered for Montreal Canadiens and Toronto Maple Leafs than they did for us. So right now it is the New York Rangers I lean toward. But with L.A., you know, the Sutter boys, you know, Daryl Sutter's there, you know, we have a great relationship with them. And so it's not nah, New York, i got to say that. But, but t- tell us about what you've got set up in your office right now. Well, today I went into my office with my New York Ranger number 27 Irvin sweater on, telling people they still have to believe. I really took a lot of ribbing from everybody in the office, so I put two pictures up on the uh, glass door at my office building, one New York Ranger picture of me, one L.A. picture of me, and underneath I put, Go Kings Go. If Rangers win on Saturday, I'll take that picture down and I'll put up, Go Kings Go, or Go Rangers Go, so I'm going to alternate back and forth. <laughs> you can play both sides of the coin, right? I can't lose. I'm going to be jumping on off the bandwagon, Chris. I'll have a broken ankle for sure. Now, what do you think uh, in watching the series um, leading up to this? I mean, it's been hard hit, as every Stanley Cup playoffs is, and now, you know, the, the Kings are ahead one nothing. That's just the opening shot. We all know that, uh, you know, the first win is important, but it really doesn't mean uh, much as far as the overall series. How do you feel as far as both teams' strengths and weaknesses? Well, what I'm impressed with, I mean, they've both played over 20 games. And, you know, after the first round of the of the playoffs, the first round is probably the best hockey you'll ever see. Then reality sits in and sets in, and the, the other teams realize, hey, we're not this good, and they lose. Well, to get as far as, you know, New York Rangers and L.A. Kings have gotten, I mean, these guys have gone through wars together. They've had ups and downs. They've won and lost in the road. They've had injuries. They've had deaths in the family. So they've really become a tight-knit two teams Mm -hmm. of guys really pulling on the same rope. So I'm impressed by that, how they've won and the circumstances they've won. I emailed you yesterday. I thought the Rangers would win last night because I can't believe the Los Angeles King, the character they have in that dressing room, to go into Chicago and win Game 7, fly all the way back. I thought, ah, you guys take a night off on Wednesday night Mm -hmm. last night. And Rangers would be pumped because they had a couple of days rest. And L.A. Kings, I've never seen 
such a pounding over and over and over again that they give the New York Rangers and every team they've played in the playoffs, they don't quit. What do you think is more beneficial to go straight from one series into the next where you're kind of on a roll and kind of uh, all hyped up, or is it better to have that weak rest that the Rangers had before they went to the Stanley Cup final? I think most guys would tell you they'd rather just keep it going. Yeah. You know, because you, you, you get a, you know, on a roll. One thing about when you have too many days off, you have a chance to think, and athletes shouldn't think. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Rangers had a chance to read the newspaper a little bit, uh, you know, figure out a game strategy. Last night was a, a good awakening for the New York Rangers. They got a lot of young guys in there who have not been to a Stanley Cup playoff before. And, They've got to learn now. This is the big show. This is the big apple. It's different hockey, and you only get one chance at it. So I'm anxious to see what kind of game plan they come up with on uh, Saturday night. And what's it like when you're playing in New York? I mean, uh, it seems like New York sports teams are really under the microscope uh, than other teams in other markets because New York is such a sports-obsessed city and sports-obsessed market. Is it hard to play in New York as far as everybody giving their opinions and every sports writer is going to tell you what they think? Oh, sure. It is. Uh, look what happened with the Rangers, uh, game four with Pittsburgh. They got booed out of Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Fans didn't want to come to the game. And Rangers go in and beat Pittsburgh and then come back and, and beat them at home. Well, the fans were all over them. I mean, I've told you before, fans coming down on the boards and yelling at me, hey, Irving, you bum, why don't you fight Schultz? <laughs> the next minute, they're giving you the greatest award going. The greatest For me, the greatest place ever to play any sport because they love their sport with passion and they want to drag you to the top. And if you lose, they're going to let you know. If you work hard, you're okay. Mm-hmm. So I think for the Rangers, it's tough. They're king of the castle right now, and that's tough to accept, to accept sometimes. You're getting all these accolades, and you say, hey, I finally arrived. Mm-hmm. If you haven't won the cup, people are going to boo you. Well, and, and playing in Madison Square Garden, I mean, it really is the most famous arena in the world, and there is some aura and magic playing in there. How important is it for the Rangers to get through these two games in L.A. and, and go back home to the Garden? It's really important. That's why I would like to see them win last night, because now you give L.A. another two or three days of rest. Eh? Mm-hmm. And Rangers have to do something to get uh, – L.A. is so cocky right now, so – you know, they they understand their game. They know how to play it. Rangers have to come up with something to upset the apple cart, to put some doubt in the Kings' mind. And I don't know where it's going to come from, Chris. I'm I'm looking at the size of the lineup of the L.A. Kings versus the you know, Rangers. Rangers are a bunch of Smurfs. You've got, you know, St. <laughs> Louis, great hockey player. you got Zuccarello, but they're tiny. Mm-hmm. And the, the L.A. Kings are not the Broad Street bullies. They just keep on pounding you. You know, 6'3", 220, and they keep on hitting you not dirty just keep on wearing you down somebody for the rangers it's not it can't be the goaltender he's going to give you a great goaltending all the time somebody in that dressing room is going to be st louis i'm disappointed in nash i'm sure he's disappointed so somebody's got to come up with a spectacular game to put some doubt in the king's mind because if they go down two nothing and go back to square gardens la's attitude hey let's win it here wouldn't that be some beat them right in new york mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well i mean and how, and how much do you see daryl sutter's playing style in the kings you mentioned long-term relationship with the sutters and the Irvin family back to the late 70s when you started playing with brian sutter with the st louis blues but all those guys have been involved in your life and vice versa and daryl we were laughing he never smiles he looks like a miserable son of a bitch he looks like the the type of guy you would not want to mess with, and his team plays like Daryl Sutter. Do you think that's uh, how much uh, of an effect is he having on his team right now? Tremendous. 
Mm-hmm. In this day and age, with athletes making five, six million dollars, and sometimes their passion can wane. And what's the importance of all this? I'm making the money anyhow. The Sutter family, as you know, Daryl looks so like so like Mr. Sutter, the dad, eh? mm-hmm. and he was a no mess around farmer that would hit you in the stomach so quick and tell you to smarten up. Daryl's got a great sense of humor. Don't ever kid yourself. But the Sutter family still call people Mr. They want to win, and mm-hmm. they know there's no easy way to do it. And Daryl is not afraid to call any player aside and take a strip off him. And the players respect that. Mm-hmm. He's a player's coach. You know, he was in Calgary. He was, you know, it wasn't the same. He's a better coach and a better person behind the bench now with the Los Angeles Kings. He's learned how to work with people better. But when he says something, you listen. The other night when uh, Doughty was having a tough game against Chicago, they called him in after the second period. You know, he's minus two. Oh, really? Yeah, we need you. Yeah. After the game, during the game. And Drew Doughty says, gee, they weren't mad at me. They just told me how much we need him. And he goes out and he gets a tying goal and stuff like that. So Sutters have a tremendous read on the game, tremendous respect for the game. And in this day and age, I just think right now, Daryl's got the attention of all the high-playing players. Hey, this ain't about the money, boys. This is about that ring and the rest of your life being number one guys. And and you know how how it is to get so close to the Cup, being, uh, you know, with the New York Rangers when you lost the Boston Bruins in six games. When you get so close, I mean, there's really no coming back. It's not like, oh, we'll get them next year. I mean, this could be your chance and your only chance to get the job done. You you think you're coming back? You say, oh, nice year, guys. We'll see them next year. Never got a never got a sniff after that. So these guys are the Rangers. They got to learn tonight. Some of the veterans, you know, like the Nashes and the St. Louis and Richards, who have been there, say, guys, you know, we got to stop you know this loss right now. We've only got so many games to play, and they got to get the guys focused that this could be over quick. And you got to think totally different, you know. And you know, Stanley Cup people calling you tickets, family, and everything else. I mean, this is the this is the mm-hmm. big show right now. So you know, they may never get another chance so they just got to have a good game and season back in front of the guard they can skate rangers can skate but the only trouble is la kings are so they rangers secret all year long was their defensemen get the puck out of their end so quick to their fast forwards ranger defenseman last night that third period outshot 23 rangers or yeah, ranger defenseman just couldn't get the puck up they were getting hit all the time well, one quick question you mentioned about you know it's hard to play hometown games because you have your whole family there your friends are there everybody wants to get in do you know what the protocol is as far as getting comp tickets for, 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 let's say, the Stanley Cup final? Does each player get two, or do you get none, or do you have to pay for them? You'd get a couple, mm-hmm. and anything else you'd have to pay. So what you hope for is that uh, some of your teammates don't have any relatives. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are the, uh, in your opinion, the top three things that a team needs to win the Stanley Cup? Because this is the hardest uh, championship to win in all of sports, harder than the Super Bowl or, or Major League Baseball or whatever. What three things does a team need to win? Well, for me, to, to, like, when we played with the Rangers, I don't think we really, really knew and understood that we were in the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. So that's important for that whole dressing room to be reminded every day. You know where you're at, guys. You know what this is all about. It's got to be the most important thing every day they wake up to say, hey, we are in the big show. Well, this could be it. And they really got to focus on that. You need your unknown guys in that dressing room to come through for you. They don't, right. look, look at this Williams. I mean, this guy's got eight goals already. You know, nobody knows who he is, basically. You need somebody in that dressing room to come up with a big goal and you got to have a coaching staff that can readjust quickly. And that's what I find with the L.A. Kings. Sutter does not wait to change his lines. 
He'll change them so quick. He'll have his big belief is all centermen have to play, and you alternate around there. Mm-hmm. And so you need you need a good game plan. To me, you need guys that really believe, and you need some guys in that dressing that come through for you that you don't expect to give a spark. It could be a minor leaguer. It could be a guy that hasn't got a goal. You know, just to give you some spark in the dressing room that hey, we're all in this together. But you, now Chris. You know what it's like in sports. That dressing room from New York Rangers, we do not know what's going on in there on a day-to-day basis. And those guys right now will be pumping each other up to, you know, we don't, we'll ever experience all the pundits out, oh, they're finished, they're finished. We don't know what those guys are going to come up with and how much they believe in each other. But they got to believe that, hey, this is it, boys. This is a big time. we got to go down fighting. Right, right. I mean, I remember a few years ago, it was probably, I don't know, 20 years ago, there was a guy called Chris Contos, and he came and scored like nine points playoff goals and had like four playoff goal or had four goals during the regular season so you just never know who's going to come out and, and stand up for uh stand up for the team and, and get so they get the job done for sure uh final question what's your overall prediction for this series who do you think is going to win if you had to uh if you had to choose after game one is finished i'm afraid i can say kings and five kings and five yeah wow so you think the rangers will only be able to pull off one game huh you remember, Chris, I played hockey with the helmet. I don't remember what I've been saying. <laughs> if I say Kings in five or Rangers in five, if it goes a different way, <laughs> I'll change my mind. <laughs> either way, you could just put up the uh, the picture that you have, either the Kings picture or the Rangers picture, and you're fine either way. <laughs> no, I just think the Kings, it's their attitude. I'm so impressed with what's going on between their ears. I've never seen it like it. They just believe that they can do it. Well, it's great to talk to you. Like I said, you're the uh, you're the NHL expert on this panel. And uh, what do you think of your grandson, Ash Irvin, the fish expert? So, so proud of him. I don't understand a word he says. I don't know where he gets this information from, what movies or tapes. It is just spectacular. I think your questions are great, and I just I love all the kids to death. Uh, but it's fascinating where he's got this knowledge and the love and passion that he has for fish and sharks and to be able to speak to the whole world with that kind of authority. I respect and love him very much. He told me he wanted to be an ichthyologist the other day. Good. What is that? <laughs> Apparently, it's a uh, scientist who studies fish, ichthyologist. Uh, I thought somebody killed mosquitoes in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Mr. Irvin, it's great to have you on the show, and we will see your prediction, uh, uh, Kings and Five. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that, and uh, if the Rangers win, we'll just we'll just edit this out and say that you thought the Rangers were going to win. <laughs> okay, you do that for me, pal. <laughs> All right, thanks, Dad. I love you. I'll talk to you I soon. I love you, pal. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This, this is Talk is Jericho. All right, on the line with me right now, the hottest free agent in pro wrestling right now, AJ Styles is here. How's it going, man? Good, man. Can't complain. Oh, good. Well, it's good to talk to you. Um, I got your number from, from Christian, the nerd, as we call him, and uh, he was happy to pass it on. Uh, it's good. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's been a lot of... of uh, I don't even know if it's controversy, but a lot of questions and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, news coming out of the AJ Styles camp over the last 
three or four months and the fact that you left TNA and, and basically walked away to do your own thing and be your own guy. Uh, what were some of the? How do you feel about uh, about leaving? Kind of the, in my opinion, the, the company that you were the face of for so many years. Well, I got to tell you, I think it was one of the best things I've ever done in my career. As mm-hmm. crazy as that sounds, um, I mean, I, but I did expect to retire from TNA. That's what I wanted to do. You know, I was very loyal to them. I busted my tail for them for eleven years, and the reality was, and what I was told from the horse's mouth is that TNA has been horribly mismanaged and that they basically couldn't afford or didn't want to pay me what I was making, mm. uh, much less, uh, more than that. So, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I had to make a decision. It just seemed like they were, I say they, but uh, particularly one person was dra- dragging their feet on negotiations, and I'm not making money negotiating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I got, a, I got a family to take care of. You know how it works. Mm-hmm. And so I, I made the decision to go to Ring of Honor, and literally, as soon as I made the decisions, bookings after bookings after bookings uh, opened up for me and, uh, and, and Japan as well. Well, yeah, you're, you're all over the place at this point, and I kind of figured that was going to happen. Um, I mean, it must be kind of bittersweet for you, though, because like I said, like I, I've been watching TNA back since when they were doing weekly pay-per-views, when that was kind of the thing that they were trying to get over. And it's always been, you know, the one homegrown guy was, was AJ Styles. I mean, there was a couple others. But you were the the, the, the kind of the, the the go-to guy so many times. Did it did it kind of I don't know if bother you is the word, but it did it, did you, did you ever kind of feel like you guys were kind of stuck in a rut? And did that did that get to you? Like why aren't we getting bigger? Why can't we get this company going to the next level? I mean, how was that for you being being in in the battle zone while it was going on? Well, you know, I always felt like I was the you know like you said the go-to guy when something didn't work out for him. Oh, put AJ in there. He'll um, you know. At least, at least give us the matches that people want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so that a lot of that was going on because there was a lot of changes. It was a roller coaster of you know people getting fired and other guys getting hired, and you didn't know who was in charge. And uh, from what I heard or read last night, uh, is that basically that was the same thing WCW was. Uh, mm-hmm. And if anybody knows about that, and probably that part of it is you, um, it was it was very frustrating, you know, because I knew that. You know, TNA was making the mistakes. You know, it was easy to see that some guys were coming over, not you know, not trying to get the younger talent over or to progress the TNA uh, product, but just to make money while mm-hmm. they were there. Mm-hmm. And that, that's very upsetting from a guy who's busting his tail, not in and not out, defending what he knows. You know, some of their stuff is just wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's very frustrating. You know, uh, working so hard for a company you want to see succeed. Well, I mean, you mentioned the WCW uh, connection and, and the, the similarities, and it's interesting because that's what it was like in WCW in the late 90s is you didn't really know who the boss was, and you didn't really know who to go to. I mean, if you had an idea, you would go to the booker who was Kevin Sullivan, and then he would maybe have to clear it. I mean, Hogan had a say in it, and then the NWO guys, Hall and Nash, had a say in it, and then Bischoff would kind of talk about it. Uh, but you never really knew. Like, you know, when you work in the WWE, obviously Vince is the boss. End of story, done. When you were in TNA, who were the different factions of people that you would have to go to to try and get your ideas across? Well, I mean, obviously you go to the creative team. Uh, and then uh, Bruce was uh, part, of, uh, part of that. Bruce uh, Pritchard? Bruce Pritchard was mm-hmm. part of the uh, creatives. And, you know... The crazy thing is, is once I started getting close to these guys and actually getting them to trust me as a human being, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it seems like they'd get fired. And mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, that's frustrating in itself. You know, right when you get somebody to trust you, like this guy's not trying to just get himself over. He's trying to get the company over. Okay, I finally get it. I trust this guy. Next thing you know, he's gone. So you would, uh, you know, as soon as you get to trust someone, they are replaced by a, play, a lot lesser person um, mm-hmm. or someone who didn't understand the company. You know, while Eric Bischoff, somewhat, you know, he understood how the business worked. Mm-hmm. He was unfamiliar with uh, who worked at TNA. Uh, and so that was why I was put with Ric Flair. The, the, the reality is, uh, Ric Flair is Ric Flair. He, he cast a huge shadow, and I was not going to be able to get out of his shadow. Mm-hmm. But they figured that I could get a rub off Ric Flair. Truth of the matter is, TNA fans are TNA fans. They probably still watch today, even though you know, right. I'm gone and a lot of the other guys are gone. Um, and so they knew who AJ Styles was. I didn't need Ric Flair as, as a rub. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that they put me with him because they didn't know of me, you know, AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. So it, a lot of that stuff kept going on, and I'm sure it's still going on today. So you're saying when when the guys like, for, for example, Bischoff came in, that they weren't really familiar with with the the product, like with the talent of the guys that were there, like the different names. Absolutely, I mean, wow. They may have they may have known some names, but they definitely didn't know the storylines or, or knew um, if the company was doing well or not. Hmm. I mean, obviously, if you're drawing or getting a, a one. Point oh, you're not doing awesome, mm-hmm. uh, but then again, that's your core fan base. So you have these guys. Right. You don't need to change it. You just need to up the ante and, and make it more entertaining. So yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of that was going on. Yeah, because like you said, I mean, there the TNA has been, and, and and this, believe me, I'm not, I don't, I'm not bashing TNA in any way, shape, or form. But it's been the same 1.0, you know, 1.1, 1.2, basically a million people that watch the show, and it's been that way for six, seven, eight years, and it didn't matter when they brought in Hulk Hogan or Eric Bischoff or Ric Flair or any of these guys, it was still the same million people. So, um, right. how, like, what did, was there a benefit to bring in, in, in retrospect, in your opinion, to bring in, let's say, Hogan? I don't think so. I think it just, it, was, it hurt him more than anything because, uh, you know, I couldn't get past the fact that he would not acknowledge TNA on anything other than TNA product. Uh-huh. You know, when he went on talk right. shows, Hogan never said a word about TNA. When he did, you know, books or anything, never said a word about TNA. And now I start to get it. Now I understand why he never said a word about TNA. He was embarrassed. Hmm. And, heck, I, I've been there before. You know, I've been on an indie show before where I was like, wow, I'm glad my friends didn't show up because they'd see yeah. that I'm not even close to a star. This is pathetic. This is terrible. I think that's the way Hulk Hogan felt about TNA. Hmm. Yeah, like especially when he had come from, you know, being the top top guy, you know, with WWE and then with WCW, then to go to TNA. But see, he sh- he shouldn't have been that way. He should have been more along the lines of this is the place to be. You know, if I'm here, it's the best place in the world, and go and sell that because you would think that's probably why they brought him in in the first place. Well, perception's reality, especially right. in the wrestling business. Uh, and Hogan's doing a wonderful job at WWE, exposing <laughs> you know how great they are. Right. That's what TNA needed was for him to be on their team. Mm-hmm, exactly, and of course, then you're you're still the guy that's working every night and seeing, I'm sure, a lot of money going into into Hulk's pockets, and of course, Bischoff as well. Um, but then, it, like you said, I think frustrating is the good word. Did you have like who were the group of guys that you hung out with there that were there from the start? Uh, definitely, uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Samoa Joe. Those are the guys I'm gonna mm-hmm. you know, ride with. I'm always with. You know. Um, there's not a lot of people that you can say that you have best friends, but right. you know, I had three guys that I could call on at three o'clock in the morning, you know, to come get me six hours away. You know, 
uh, that's the kind of guys they are, and uh, I would do the same for them. So those are the guys I've definitely hung out with and uh, trusted with pretty much everything. Did you tell them, did you discuss it with them that you were thinking about leaving? I did. I did call them. I let them know what's going on, and, they, uh, you know, uh, they were just kind of like, well, man, you know, uh, I'm sure everything will work out. Because I, I, I didn't want to believe, and I'm sure they didn't want to believe that I would actually leave the company. But the the minute I had that match, after the match was over and I dropped the strap, mm-hmm. I knew, okay, this is this is really it. This is actually going to happen. So, and, um, and why is that? It just it just felt like it, it had to be. You know, just the, mm-hmm. the talking that happened before, the, the disbelief and everyone else thinking like, wow, you, are, there's no way they'd let you go. And just the, the way they went about it. it basically... When it comes to negotiating, they have no talent whatsoever. Meaning mm-hmm. they don't have they don't they don't have to negotiate. Uh, they wanted to negotiate with me rather than my agent. Now here's the lesson learned because I, I said, okay, fine, I will talk to you. Mm-hmm. But as we went through it, they tried to make it personal. Mm-hmm. This is business, and I realized that very quickly that they were trying to tra- you know you know pull out the personal card. Uh, it, does, it it can't work like that. No, it can't. Know? Who are you negotiating with? Who's the head of talent relations there now? I'm going to screw up his name, but you probably know him, Big John. Oh, uh, yeah, Big John Gaborik. Okay, so now he's yeah. in charge of negotiating the deals. Yes, and and now uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he wasn't even the head of production uh, when he was there? And no, dude. Yeah, well, it, it, from he, what I heard, he got the production guy coffee. <laughs> well, he was a guy that we would see. Um, for example, I th- well, like when Tough Enough was going on, he was in charge of Tough Enough. Or if we were doing some kind of a shoot for a WrestleMania commercial, he would be kind of the guy in charge of that. You know, that, that's sort of the thing. He, he didn't work in the production truck. He wasn't like Kevin Dunn or Kerwin Matthews or any of those guys. He was a guy that would basically do offshoot, uh, you know, like I said, promo promos or commercials, stuff like that. You know, special projects, I guess you'd say. So what qualifies him as, you know, head <laughs> yeah. of talent relations? You know, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, someone leaves and a lesser, you know, mm-hmm. less qualified person takes the responsibility. You know, it sounds like, and I've I've never worked TNA before, but it does sound like uh, you mentioned earlier that you heard it was kind of like WCW, and not only the fact if you don't didn't know who was in charge, another thing that they would do was bring in anybody. That had been in the WWE. It didn't matter who it was. When the NWO was rolling, they would bring in Virgil, and they bring in Brian Adams, and they bring in Jim Neidhart, and they bring in like you know Mike, Michael Wall Street, like anybody that worked for WWE. They would bring in. It's kind of what TNA is doing, but not even on screen, but off screen as well. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there are things that uh, some guys in WWE have done well, and mm-hmm. uh, I would love to have those guys. You know, part of my team. Right, but I would put them in the position or, that that, that they're known for better. Yeah, right. absolutely. So I, I I couldn't really understand uh, why they would do that. And like I said, I just got to where uh, Eric Bischoff was trusting me, mm-hmm. uh, and and then Bruce Prichard. So it's mm-hmm. very confusing. What, and, and what if you were in charge? Let's say let's say you know, I'm Dixie Carter or John Gaborik, and I'm like AJ. We have to have you. We'll give you whatever you want. We'll put you in charge. We need to get this company fired up. What What does that company need to to get to the next level and get and get more than just the the tried and true faithful million million and a half viewers that they get every week? 
I think that you got to be the alternative. You can't be like someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they were doing that well with the six-sided ring. Yeah, it, it, it didn't seem right. You first got into the ring, mm-hmm. and it was a little different. It didn't bump as easy as a, you know the mm. four-sided ring. But it made us different. It, you know, and that's what you got to have. If WWE is doing this, we're going to do that. And right. If they're doing if they're doing something right at WWE, then we'll copy that. But what what we can see, what they're doing wrong, what people don't like, mm-hmm. we're going to do the complete opposite. Mm. If they're PG three, uh, if they're PG, then we'll be rated all. You know, mm-hmm. whatever makes us different, that's what we need to be. And that's what I would do. If they if they can't do chair shots through the head, and we may, we can get away with it. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to take one. I'll do whatever it takes to make us different because that's what people want to see. They want to see an alternative. You know, that's that's a really uh, interesting point that you just made. And, it, um, you know, because I, like I said, I've watched TNA because, you know, to me, the best thing for the business, the best thing for you, for me, for the fans is to have, uh, you know, an, an alternative, like you mentioned, and a strong alternative. So I've been, been watching TNA for, forever and I thought that the time that, that the, the the company was doing really good was when it was the X Division guys, which you were one of, and you mentioned Chris and, and Frankie, and even Joe was in there too. It was the, the X Division matches were so good. And I'm not talking about the X Division, the uh, the gimmick match that you guys had, the X the X match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual matches, like the work rate of you guys, was 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 pulling the show into a different territory. And I thought that was good because nobody in WWE was really doing that at the time. And then they got away from that as well. Well, we we had something special. Yes. I mean, the fact that it took us, you know, Chris and I, you know, maybe a year or two just to get Joe in the TNA. You know, they got to trust the guys who know what's out there. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they never did. They, uh, they, you know, Delirious. I thought it, mm. one of my favorite tag teams would be uh, to have Delirious and Abyss uh, be a tag team. Delirious speaks in his blabber or whatever it is. Yeah, right. Uh, understands every word. And what a great tag team that would be. <laughs> all kinds of masks will make money. You know? Yeah. That's what, that's what I think. But I but I can see what talent's out there. It's mm-hmm. born. You know, there's a lot of guys that worked or work for uh, WWE right now that went through TNA. Mm-hmm. And I saw the talent, and I would, you know, say, hey, we need to pick up this guy. And the next thing you know, they just let him go. Mm-hmm. It, or, they, they just did a lot of that. Or not use the guys to their you know, ultimate potential. Like you, you always kind of had a good spot on the show and obviously everybody goes up and down um, the roster because just, that's just the way it has to be as far as, uh, you know, keeping things fresh. But I really, like when Samoa Joe first came to TNA, like to me, I remember thinking like, if I could work anybody from TNA, it would be you or Joe because Joe was just kicking the shit out of everybody. He looked so good, like in everything he did and then they tried to get fancy and cute with him, and then now he and then he just became another guy. I thought that was a big mm-hmm. mistake on 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 TNA's part. I think one of the biggest mistakes is when uh, we finally did we got Kurt Angle, which yes. was mind blowing. Nobody saw that coming, including myself. It was very hush hush. It was a surprise. It was, yeah, it was done perfectly. But the worst thing it could have done was have you know Kurt Angle beat Samoa Joe as soon as he came in. That was the worst thing they could have done because you had this killer. And basically saying that he's a homegrown guy. He was Ring of Honor, but he was a TNA guy. Mm-hmm. You bring in Kurt Angle, who was known as a WWE guy, and he beats your top uh, TNA guy. Right. Now, I mean, I know good and well that that um, you, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You, WWE would definitely not ever do that. So uh, I think I thought that was a big mistake. Joe was a killer, you know. And it, like I said, perception is reality, and this guy looked the part. Mm-hmm. So. 
that was one of the biggest mistakes they made, and yet they, they just kept on doing it time and time again. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, that was a, an angle on a silver platter, because you mentioned when Angle came in, uh, just how hot of a free agent he was and how good he is. Uh, it did kind of seem like a waste, but you had some great matches with Kurt as well. How, how, I did. how did you think of, of him as a, as a performer? Oh, dude, he's a machine. Wow. I mean, to get in there with him and, and knowing you better have your working boots on for sure because <laughs> he's coming after you. Uh, you better have some wind because he doesn't slow down. But he's that kind of wrestler, man. I, I had some amazing matches with him. Um, but, you know, again, that, that was a good pickup. I give, I'll give you another example. You know, Christian obviously set the tone yeah. for guys coming over because um, Christian was the first big name that we got. But uh, and something that happened to me when I was with Ric Flair and they had, you know, we got Rob Van Dam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Within a couple, it may have been a month, but it seemed very short. Rob Van Dam comes in and beats me for the, the heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. Now, I have no problem losing. That's not the issue. The issue is having a guy who we've known, you know, the only place that he's wrestled before TNA was WWE. Mm-hmm. It's reality over and over again. Um, Rob beat not only Jeff Hardy that night, but beat your homegrown TNA guy, you know, mm-hmm. heavyweight champion. Bad idea. Mm-hmm. What you're telling them is that anybody who comes from WWE right. is a better wrestler, uh, and they have the better product. So don't watch us watch them. Uh, it had nothing to do with Rob. You know, I think I know. he may have got a bad taste in his mouth the first time I said this. It had nothing to do with him. That's not what it was about. It was about them just giving him the title uh, to a guy who just came into the building. You don't do that. Well, and and also, too, you're taking the bloom off the rose right away. I mean, let's say you were a huge Van Dam fan or a huge Angle fan. To have them win right off the bat, I mean, then why am I watching? You know, like you said, that you could have really built some storylines there because the talent that you guys got in there, that, 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 that's another thing about TNA, is the talent has never been the issue. I mean, you talk about a guy like Bobby Roode. I remember him coming to WWE for tryouts, I don't know, three, four, five times, and they just didn't see anything in him. And I remember he said, you know, TNA is giving me an offer. What should I do? I'm like, dude, you got to take it and, and run with it. And he did. I mean, Bobby was, was, was a huge asset to to your company and, and you know, absolutely, you know, and then you talk about you and you talk about angle and you talk about, I mean, uh, the, the James storm and, and, uh, um, yeah, it was Bobby and James. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good talent in TNA. I just kind of felt like maybe, I don't know if, if the booking wasn't right or if, if it was kind of that Vince Russo crash TV style stuff. It was, it was frustrating as a fan to watch too. Well, you know, I think, you know, it goes on to, um, Storylines, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and and it just seems like they would breeze right past these storylines that could have been good if you just drug it out a little bit more. And you know, part of wrestling is you know making money, and obviously you you know selling merchandise is a mm-hmm. big part of it. Um, you know, you talk about Bobby Roode and James Storm. I thought they had a great you know team in beer money. I mean, it's yeah. it just getting hot, and it seems like then they put in one fortune, and then once fortune started getting hot. They took it all away, mm-hmm. and I begged them not to break up James Storm and Bobby Roode, you know, mm-hmm. because we had something special there. Uh, but you couldn't tell them nothing. I don't know if they were worried about who was going to be the next, you know, world champion or, or whatever it was they were going after. You know, it was, those were the kind of mistakes that they made. Like we, the storylines that you know, Kurt and Joe should have went a year if they could mm-hmm. before they even touched. What you know, the big match. And and why not? I mean, like you said, there's no rush in wrestling. That's the thing. Is like. Especially when your ratings stay the same, no matter what you do. Right. 
You know, that's that's that. I mean, let's talk about some of the positives of TNA. I mean, the fan base in the UK, you guys always did pretty good numbers when you went over there, right? Well, you know, I, I try to get to the bottom of that. Um, and, and the reason, you know, like FS, FSM magazine uh, is, is a incredible, awesome. It's just a great magazine. Yeah. It does MMA and pro wrestling. It's really good. Over in England. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm friends with one of the guys uh, who works there, and I asked him, why, why is it that uh, you, know, you don't see me TNA, TNA guys um, on the cover? You mm-hmm. know, He said, well, the truth is they just, we just don't sell as good when the TNA guy's on there, mm-hmm. which is like, wow, that doesn't make any sense. He said, well, look at it this way. TNA's on free TV over there. It means, you know, you can get it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Where WWE is on cable, and mm-hmm. they still pull in the same numbers as TNA. TNA and WWE uh, over in the UK are mm-hmm. you know, about the same. Okay. But WWE's on cable television. So more, more people are paying to see WWE than TNA and just uh, are more familiar with it. Right. Know? And I guess those people, if you have cable then, and you don't, you know, maybe those people with cable have a little bit more money, so they're going to buy the magazine. Mm. Makes you know, sense. It sounds like you know TNA is so much bigger. It's actually not. Mm-hmm. You know, they do sell out. You know, uh, arenas over there. You know, they do really well at Wembley. I mean, it's freaking awesome. But you, then you have to come back to reality over in the states where you're not. It's not the big crowds anymore. Yeah, that, I'm sure that's like a, a little bit disappointing too. If you have to go and wrestle in some of the places that you do, and I know you have you know a thousand people in a in a five thousand seat arena or whatever it would be. But you always went out there and still always put on a great show. Well, I mean, you take pride in what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter. I always said that, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to punch the people who didn't come out, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Or I'm going to punish the people who did not come. I'm, I'm going to, you know, give everything I got to people that did come. So, you know, it's your fault you didn't come. You should have you checked out because you missed all the opportunity to see a great match. That's always been my, you know, philosophy. Your mo. You mentioned the six sided ring. Tell me about that. Like, how do you how do you work in that uh, differently from a four sided ring? Are the, are the ropes? Uh, is it a smaller ring? Um, no, it's a it's a. I, mean, I think it's about eighteen, maybe maybe nineteen, because of the way it's it's shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, the ropes are a little bit tighter, obviously, because they're shorter. Mm-hmm. The turnbuckles are. You know, you can't just. They're not at a forty five degree angle. So when you step on the top rope, you actually kind of be like a duck walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little weird, and uh, that's why you know I never really went to the turnbuckles. I always just springboard because it was it just seemed easier. Mm. Um, but as far as hitting the ropes, and not not really a big deal, you know, because you you're gonna if you run straight, you're gonna run into ropes, not a turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not gonna get that confusing. But uh, I think that <laughs> the the reason why it was a little bit rough to bump on instead of a big ring in the middle, uh, they had pillars. That they would pull apart. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the closer they put them together, the you know the stiffer it's going to be. And then as you pull them apart, the more flimsy it's going to be. So you had to find that happy medium, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes it just didn't it just didn't come out right. And and it, and I didn't realize how rough of a bump it was in the six sided ring until we switched over to a uh, squared ring. Where I remember Kurt and I wrestled at uh, I believe it was Wembley Arena, and you know. In front of an incredible crowd over in the UK, mm-hmm. and he gave me the belly to back, or belly to belly, off the top rope, and I just, oh man, I was like, this is in the six sided ring. I just swore I'd never take that again. <laughs> um, but we obviously we did it again in the squared ring, and I was getting ready for that impact, and it was like um, falling on a pillow in comparison. So, so it was a lot. It, it's a lot more of a stiffer ring than just by the way it's constructed. The six sided yeah. ring. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly it. And uh, you know, when I was I was very against the six sided ring being removed from TNA after taking the bump in the squared ring. I was like, you know what, maybe this is a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, is that the reason why they removed it? The reason why they removed it is from what I heard that uh, Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan didn't think it looked very professional to have a six sided ring. Oh, that's okay. What I was told. And that was the reason. Yeah, because I remember that was the first thing when Hogan came in. He's like, we're getting rid of the six sided ring, but. Like, like you said, that was something that made TNA very unique. Right. I mean, it, it, when you're turning and flipping through the channels and you see a six-sided ring, you're like, well, let me see this for a second. And when you think about it, you know, uh, the UFC being so popular, mm-hmm. to have something that looked kind of like that ring was probably a good idea. And, uh, you know, for them to remove that, you know, it's like, ah, you know, now we're now we're the same as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Right, and like you said, kind of a a WWE light type of a vibe, which is never uh, it's never going to help. That's for sure. <laughs> well, at, at that and we went with blue and uh, silver, <laughs> and I was like, doesn't that look exactly like SmackDown? Um, you know, but <laughs> but they didn't listen. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Talk is Jericho. AJ Styles is on the line. Let's talk about your early years. Uh, before you got to TNA, were you a wrestling fan when you were a kid? I, you know, I loved watching wrestling on TV, but um, we had an antenna rather than uh, cable, so uh, not a lot of times would, would I ever pick it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I did, you know, I, I loved it. Uh, but, I, you know, I watched more football, baseball, and, and basketball. Mm-hmm. And, and played these sports, so that's what I was into rather than than wrestling. I, w- I would definitely watch it when it was on, but you know, so you weren't happy. Like, so how did you get involved in the business? Um, it, well, it, well, I started going to. I guess when I was in high school, I was about to graduate around in '96. You know, wrestling started getting real hot. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody was watching back then. Everybody. Right. So uh, I was too, and you know, I went back to college. We'd I'd go to my roommate's room. We'd watch, you know, wrestling over there. It was just. Um, you know, just so hot, you know, but uh, I had two friends who were just jacked up big guys and said they were going to go train. I was like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell you what, when you guys find a place, I'll go with you. And they found a place, uh, NCW, National Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. um, about 20, 25 minutes from the house. I was like, oh, man. So I went, and first time I took a bump, not a not a good one, but the first time I took a bump, I, I realized um, I can do this. And so they... You know, they they actually quit. You know, after training, you know, a couple of months, and I stayed. And I'm sure they regret it. Now. <laughs> well, you also too a very acrobatic type of performer. Where did that come from? Were you like, did you try gymnastics in school, or is it something just natural for you? Well, I think it was one of those things that just came natural. I never really had any uh, training. In fact, I didn't get much training until after high school. Uh, uh, my wife, well, my girlfriend at the time, uh, was a cheerleader, so I was involved in helping that and mm-hmm. even did a little bit, as crazy as that sounds, mm-hmm. um, and uh, learned a couple things, you know, just through her teaching me how to tumble, and then went on to a, a gymnastic place where now they do a lot of tumbling for cheerleaders, and I was a spotter, and I'd help them with the, their flips, and I'd work on mine, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, that that was just one of the things, you know, I just tried to perfect it. It was the reason why I got into the ring so quickly, which is definitely a no-no. Mm-hmm. You know, um, now, I, now I know that, you know, I first need to know how to wrestle rather than to fight. But um, they saw that, you know, I wasn't afraid to do all these crazy things. So literally within a month of training, they threw me into a ring in, in wrestling matches, which is crazy. Right. But, um, but the great thing about that was I was wrestling so much when I first started. Um, I learned from everybody I ever wrestled. Who was your first match against? Do you remember? Uh, Michael. His name was Michael Brooks. He was also a trainee, and I. Uh, the only gear I had was a, a singlet that I'd got from Anderson College. I just never took them back to singlet because I wrestled in college, mm-hmm. and and I had my wrestling shoes, collegiate wrestling shoes, and so uh, they found a mask and, and put it on me and said, "You're Mr. Olympia." Had rings on the side, and that's who I wrestled as the, a heel, Mr. Olympia. <laughs> Mr. With a mask. With a mask. Who 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 did flips and everything, which made no sense. Yeah, well, that's welcome to the early days of wrestling, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you also, you sp- I, I, I just uh, was doing a little research, and I'd forgotten that you had spent a, a short period of time in WCW. And I remember the name of your team, which I always thought was cool, Air Styles. I thought that was a pretty uh, pretty cool name. Did you come in right before they closed? Is that what happened? Yeah, I literally had uh, five matches in WCW. I think three were on TV and two were on, you know, house shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just happy to be there. You know, I was I was ecstatic. As far as the Air Styles, I hated that name. Oh, did you? <laughs> um, I did, and, and you know, but what, what was I going to do? Actually, the last match I ever had on Thunder, we were called uh, Air Paris, and I were called Air Raid. And what they had told me is that it just seemed weird to say AJ Styles and Air Paris, so they just named us both Air. Styles and Air Paris, <laughs> and that's how that came about. Uh, and I've never forgiven Bill Banks for that. It's, but uh, it's too hard know, to it, say AJ Styles and Air Paris. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, but and they had us in fighter pilot suits. Mm-hmm. And I think I was just thinking, oh my god, you know what? What are we doing? Uh, and I was like, you know what? Once I walk through that curtain, they're going to see the baddest fighter pilot they've ever seen. And that was, <laughs> I'm going to get this character over somehow. Right, but then you didn't have a chance because they closed. Yeah, then yeah, that was my last match on television. <laughs> so, um, did you have a contract with WCW? I did. Uh, I remember the the first time they offered me a contract uh, was to go to the de- developmental in Atlanta. Uh, I'd probably been wrestling for uh, maybe eight months, and uh, they had, we were wrestling in this place called Good Old Days. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was a bar, but a lot, of, a lot of the WCW trainees would, you know, wrestle there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, when they would watch those guys, they'd obviously see uh, me and a couple other guys. But uh, the, the contract that they offered was like $500 a week to train, you know, in, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know, sounds like a great deal for, you know, some other guys. But I was like, man, $500, I'm making that in my regular job. Mm-hmm. And that's um, after taxes, you know. Right. So, and they're... I'm going to get a double whammy because I'm getting five hundred dollars, then I'm going to have to pay taxes on top of that. I'm only making, I'm making, I'm not making a lot of money. Yeah, you know? and I, you know, I didn't have the support of my parents, you know, because they couldn't support me and stop, you know, that they weren't. So I, I, I was making money for myself. So I turned the contract down. As crazy as that sounds. Wow! But, so you turned uh, down the WWE contract because it was only five hundred dollars. Yeah, five hundred dollars a week. I know it sounds crazy, and, and but. Uh, Within uh, maybe another year, they offered me a, a contract which was for seven hundred and fifty bucks, I do believe, and I jumped all over that. With WWE, uh, WCW. WCW. Oh, gotcha. I gotcha. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. I was I was confused. Okay, so they uh, they did offer you contract. So I guess what I was asking is when WCW closed down, 
and your contract was kind of like everybody's contract was frozen and some guys went to WWE and some guys didn't. Did you ever have the option to go or did they just not pick up on your contract? I'll, I'll give you a hint. Jay or AJ, they're not picking up your contract. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. Johnny oh, yeah. Ace, baby. Johnny John, Ace. Johnny gave me the call and I was, uh, was kind of depressed for a couple of days, but I got over it and I was like, well, I'm going to make this thing work somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but... You know, I'd, I was calling Jimmy Yang to see if they picked him up, and of course they did. And, and he's like, "Oh yeah, they'll call you if they're going to pick you up." I'm sure of it. Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly. So, you, so you have never worked for the WWE? I, I've had some dark matches for WWE. Uh, let's see, I'm trying, I think I wrestled Rick Michaels, uh, Rico Costino, the Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually wrestled the Hurricane. Maybe it may have been in Atlanta or somewhere close, and they invited me to. I think it was goes to Charlotte, and then that's when I wrestled Rico. Um, did a couple things as far as you know, cut some promos for him, and then they they invited me to um, uh, their camp. Yeah, it was a week long camp, uh, HWA, which was very beneficial to me. I mean, uh, I got a lot out of it. You know, as short as that camp was, I got a lot of out a lot out of what they were doing up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they offered me a contract. Uh, I believe it was for five hundred dollars a week to move to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I had to turn it down. Uh, you know, now at this point, I'm married, and my wife was in college. The, the right. way that we were paying for our um, apartment that we were in was she had a hope promise. That means that she would, you know, if when she graduated to be a teacher, you know, and that she would promise to teach in Georgia for for uh, four years. That's mm-hmm. how we paid our rent. Right. So uh, I just couldn't see me. Going to Cincinnati, living up there for five hundred dollars a week, and having my wife move in with her mother, uh, is you know that's just not right. That's mm-hmm. for me. That's not how a family works. No, no matter you know what kind of opportunity you have, and I was just thinking, you know, she she's worked hard, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, be a teacher and go through school and stuff like that. I'm going to make sure that she finishes school and and support her, and then you know I'll, I'll still chase this dream. And that's a pretty noble, uh, noble statement. Like you said, that's not how a family works. And and to this day, I mean, like you said, you've had a couple dark matches or whatever. Did you try uh, call WWE or did you have any interactions with them at all when you left TNA this last time? I did let them know that uh, I um, my contract was up and sent them a piece of paper. You know, that said, "Hey, <laughs> he's not there anymore. He's mm-hmm. not obligated in any way. He's he's done." So they knew what was up, and and I left it at that. I mean. Uh, they they know what I can do. They they know that uh, you know my reputation, mm-hmm. and you know I can't do any more than that. You know I I don't think that I I don't think I should uh, beg them for a job if they if they want me if they see anything in me in me they would have uh, contacted me already and we'd, I'd be working up there. Right. But I guess they didn't see whatever whatever it was they were looking for, and and maybe the reality is I may be too old for them. But um, I think uh, you know I can still go. You know, well, so. absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The thing with WWE right now is they're going through this phase where everybody has to come in through the Performance Center in Orlando, basically. You know, the NXT thing. And sure. that's that because that's the new toy. It's the shiny new toy. And that's kind of what they have going on. But I would be very surprised if, if you know, over the next little while, if, if they didn't call you. And like you said, if not, I mean, it's not like you don't have uh, so many other places to go because you can go. Um, what's it like to go back to to Ring of Honor? I mean, it seems that company, in a lot of ways, is almost as big as TNA is. Uh, the reality is, is they they started before TNA. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have the money behind them, um, 
you know, that TNA had. Um, but it was it was nice to go back, man, and it was it was nice to know that, you know, that they didn't look at me as the old guy coming in just mm-hmm. to make a buck. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm having a great time there, having some great matches, you know, and and it, it tests you, man. It's um, it's a challenge to make sure, you know, you make sure you put on the best matches that you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying the Indies, you know, to get out there and do that. I was pleasantly surprised that the Indies aren't dead. In fact, they're very much alive, and and it, most of these independent shows that I'm going to are drawing more than the TNA house shows. So and that's you, it's comforting. And you're probably getting paid the same, if not more, from from what I understand about the indies, right? Absolutely. And I get the opportunity to sell my shirts and eight by ten. <laughs> Available now. <laughs> Who, do you pick and choose your opponents as well, or do you just show up and work with whoever they have? Um, I just show up pretty much. They, they they usually pick up, you know, they're higher up and who they think there's their star there. And I, mm-hmm. I usually wrestle them, you know, and uh, it's a, a learning experience. And now that I've, you know, definitely learned, uh, wow, uh, over the past couple of months that not everyone is what they, they think they are, you know, <laughs> no kidding. Right. That's the one yeah, thing, I, you know, I, I got to tell you, man, um, as of last night, I got my F, uh, SM magazine and I was reading, about Lionheart. I don't know if you're familiar with this cat. He's a wrestler over in the UK. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, I, I, this is the guy that I wrestled uh, and, and put him over mm-hmm. uh, because he was the top heel. And the gimmick was, you know, the finish was he kind of cheated, pulled the ties to win, and then we gave the people what they wanted. We, we're going to give them the Styles Clash or, you know, so they can go home happy. Mm-hmm. Now, previous to this, in, in the locker room, I said, listen, man, uh, the one thing you can't do in the Styles Clash is tuck your head. In fact, you don't. If you do nothing, you'll be fine. Right, um, as far as keeping your face straight, when because you kind of fall forward, and so the guy just has right. to keep his, himself straight. Right. It, it's a face bump. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. If you tucked your so, chin, you would pretty much land like kind of. I'm doing it right now. You would kind of land almost on the top of your head, kind of right. It it, it almost doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, uh, but. I guess previously, you know, Roderick Strong had tucked his head. Now, this is my belief, and Rodney, uh, I hope Ra, uh, Roddy hears me say this. I think Roddy did it on purpose and accidentally hurt himself uh, trying to make it the styles look, look rougher than it's supposed to. Right. Uh, and, and actually accidentally hurt himself. Okay. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, but from what I read, this guy was nervous about taking it. I don't know why. It's, it's easiest bump. Yeah. It's so safe, but didn't say anything because, you know, pride or whatnot. And so when I gave him the style clash, I, I didn't notice it at the time because I didn't come down with full body weight. I don't come down with my body weight. Mm-hmm. I literally put my knees down, and so I'm not squishing you. Right. I don't want to hurt my junk either, you know? <laughs> so um, I didn't know it happened because I didn't feel him, but I saw a picture of it, and he probably tucked his head harder than anybody's ever tucked their head for anything. It was like he was trying to go for a front flip. Wow. He ended up breaking his neck in two places. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it's terrible. It's a terrible thing. You know, I wish he'd never have got hurt, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, he spent two or three, four paragraphs talking about this move, and he wasn't comfortable, and, you know, and and then took two sentences to say that it, it wasn't AJ's fault. It was all his fault. You know, I'm like, man, you know, I still – Saying it was – read is, is that I was the, the reason why you got hurt. Right. And that's not a – you know, his, he said his instincts took over. You know, so you know, you learned to, you know, you were learned to tuck your head uh, on bumps. Well, not when you take a face bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the first time I, I made up this move, 
uh, on a trampoline. And I gave it to my younger brother who didn't <laughs> tuck his head. You know, that's instincts. So, uh, you know, it, it's really kind of one of those moments where I'm like, man, I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, it would be, it'd be like tucking your head on a pedigree or something. You just don't do that because it's a face first bump. It's it's the it classic it's the classic flare bump where you just fall on your stomach and just go flat and kind of let, let like you said kind of take the take the brunt of it on your chest more than anything. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and what I'm saying may sound inconsiderate, and you know, but uh, I don't care about the well being of other guys. But that's not it exa- at all. It's just this is a simple, easy bump to take, and and you know, all the blame has to be. I literally cannot hurt you on this move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to hurt yourself. You know, a lot of people don't understand that, and some people were talking about just how dangerous the move was, and I just—it's mind blowing. Well, I mean, like, that goes back. Like you said, you know. dude. I mean, that's one of the, the things about going to the indies is you're working with some guys that don't have experience. You know, I don't care if you're the top guy in you know World British uh, Super Duper Championship Motocross Wrestling. You might have had ten matches. You know, it doesn't really make much of a exactly. difference. And now it's your responsibility to go out there and not only have a good match, but make sure that that the other guy doesn't get hurt, or more importantly, make sure that you don't get hurt. Right. Well, it, and it was after you know, after that had happened. Now I've started to ask people, and they look at me as if I'm an idiot for asking them if they know how to take the right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and, but, I, but I'm so concerned, like, oh, my God, uh, I hope he knows how to do this right. I ask him, and I'm, I actually say, hey, man, I'm sorry to ask you this. You probably know how to take this move, but, yeah. you know, and that's how the conversation starts out when we're talking about the style slash. But you have to, man. Like you said, I mean, you, you got you to gotta be very specific because a lot of guys really, like you said, they'll say they know, but they don't, especially when you're, you're, you're working with guys that you don't know. Right. Uh, and I, I guess in my head it was, it was one of those things, hey, man, if you had never seen the move before, then definitely I would go over it with you, but... I just assumed that he'd seen it before. Yeah, well, okay. and like, and, it, hey, that's one of the things I ask someone before a wrestler: is there anything I don't know how to take? Yes, and, and, and if we do, we'll go over it. And that's a great point. Like you said, that's a great point, man. Is there anything that I need to know? You know, so that no one's pulling any surprises. Um, you mentioned that you're going back to Japan, New Japan, and, and New Japan is actually fairly hot right now. It's the biggest wrestling company uh, in Japan and one of the biggest in the world. Uh, that, that's a pretty cool. Uh, had you had you worked for them before? Uh, I think uh, Christian, uh, Petey, and myself have worked over there, and, and uh, I believe that's their their big pay per view kingdom. Uh, but just as representatives of TNA, right? Right, right, okay. right. But uh, you know, got to work, you know, wrestle in the Tokyo and walk down that big, you know, aisle that they had. It's, it was amazing. You know, yeah. It, oh yeah. For guys like you know, uh, there are a lot of guys like me who watched a lot of the New Japan stuff. I watched the, you know, I had like three or four DVDs, the history of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title matches. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've watched that a million times. And so to actually get the opportunity to wrestle for New Japan is, is unbelievable. Uh, I think it's one of the most prestigious uh, professional wrestling companies in the world. Um, and I'm going to get the opportunity to wrestle Okada for the IWGP championship. So, I mean, that's, that's huge. For me, it's just mind-blowing. It's yeah, I mean, huge. it's good that they brought you in with a, with a big push like that. So they're obviously very excited to have you. Yeah, I, it, it was, and uh, man, uh, I didn't expect it, you know. Because when I walk into the locker room, I don't see myself in any different than anybody else. But they treated me with so much respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just unbelievable. It's kind of nice, right? It, it really is, man. It makes you feel like, hey, man, you, you've actually made an impact in this wrestling business. Well, especially, man, I, I went this, through this, too, when I left WCW back in 99 and went to WWE. You've been, I don't know if it's, it's, it's beaten down, but you've been kind of barked at so much 
by the management in WCW and, you know, by when I went to WWE, it was such a refreshing change. I always likened it to Wizard of Oz where WCW was black and white and then I opened the door and I had the color world of WWE all in front of me. It must be kind of nice for you after all, you know, the, the issues that you've had with TNA. And, and let's be honest, it's been kind of a little bit of a lack of respect on their end towards you. For you to go to, to New Japan and get treated that way, it must have been kind of refreshing. Absolutely, man. And um, it, and it's, you know, it was kind of a slap in the face, um, the way that everything went down with TNA. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, the things that they've said of late with John saying that uh, they offered me a fair deal and that, um you know, if there was ever room for AJ Styles, and he didn't know, but there'd be uh, room for me there. You know, mm-hmm. if AJ Styles were to come back, where there'd be room. And it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm going to say, hey, man, well, there's plenty of room in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I'm happy to be there. Yeah. You know, they're they're doing tens of thousands of, uh, of fans at every one of their shows. So that's refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And to be part of the hot company, you know, because that is a hot company right now. It's the biggest one in Japan. It's very hot. It is very hot, man, and and the Bullet Club, which I you know I'm in, is that is is very hot too. I mean, you know, for it to be in Japan, you'd be surprised at how many people over here in the states want a Bullet Club shirt. You know, <laughs> that's all that's all big New Japan is right there. A Bullet Club and, shirt uh, and a Ribera jacket. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Somebody asked me if I went to. They didn't know the name of the steakhouse, but you know, they knew there was a steakhouse that every wrestler went to. That's <laughs> right. Hey, man, I got my jacket years ago. Yeah, those satin, horribly outdated '80s roller disco jackets that every wrestler wants to have. Yes, and you eat your. I'm not sure if it's steak. It may be kangaroo, uh, <laughs> cat. But you eat it. <laughs> yeah, you eat it and you dig it. What uh, What are the differences? The biggest differences between Japanese wrestling and American wrestling for you that you noticed? Psychology. Mm-hmm. Very different, obviously. Uh, I'm actually worried about it, you know, a little bit, and trying to put together some matches in my head and stuff like that, and to, just to make everything, you know, make sense. But not all the time does it make sense mm-hmm. over there. So uh, sometimes it's, you know, you, you, there's a happy medium between psychology and fighting spirit, and I'm sure you know this more than anybody. Um, that you know, there's times when you buck up and you take all these chops and hits, and then you you take a German on your head and you get up and you clothesline them, and down you both down. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's stuff like that. It doesn't quite make sense, but it, you know, once you understand and try to wrap your head around the spotting spirit. Yes. Well, especially when especially when you first get there, you know, it's almost like it's a little bit of an initiation process to see how how, how tough is the gaijing, you know, how tough is AJ Styles. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it, you know, the first time I wrestled in Japan was for zero one, and you know, I found out quickly that you, you better buck up and you better you know come back with something or they'll just keep freaking putting it on you. Yeah. You know? So I assume I assume now that they hit me hard. That's how hard they want to be hit until it lightens up. So that's how I, uh, that's my measuring stick over there. But, you know, those guys are professionals. Yes. And uh, times have changed for sure. So I don't think it's going to be as rough, but, uh, you know, when the television's on, you know, when the camera's on, those guys, they bring it. We call it red light fever. When you see the red light of the camera, that's when they'll go nuts. And then you go yep. to the, then you go to the little the little house show in the ranch town, and they just they, they just do a, a like an elbow drop, and that's it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, in a, a you know in a six man tag, you know, so right? They're right. they're very smart in how they uh, exactly their guys are last. That's right, man. Uh, a couple more questions. What's your if you had to choose one or two of your favorite matches? What comes to mind that you've ever been in? Oh my god! Oh man, that's so difficult. You know, I know, isn't I, it? <laughs> 
uh, you know, because you know, I, I can tell you the guys that I, there are matches that I'm, I'll never forget. Like with Samoa Joe, mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Daniels, I've wrestled a million times. Great worker. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and Kurt Angle, you know, those, those are matches. And, you know, it's, it's those matches, man, that separate. Even, you know, I had a great match with Abyss, and this is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, we were uh, we're in the lockdown, you know, where every match is in a cage, which is yeah. ridiculous. Another classic uh, TNA idea. Yeah, exactly. Where, um, you know, Abyss and I are the main event, and we thought to ourselves, how can we make ourselves different? Well, we took 10 minutes to actually get into the ring and actually wrestle. And by the time we got in there, it was, you know, you know, big moves and that. Mm-hmm. It was just different in the way that we did things. We brought in a chain. We brought in tacks and stuff like that. And that turned out to be one of my favorite matches, just the way that uh, it came across and, and what we were able to do with it and be different from every other right. that was in, the, in a cage. In the cage, so that's yeah. One of my, that's definitely one of my favorite matches. But when Joe uh, wrestled him one-on-one, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, I felt so good about him as crazy as it sounds, just mauling me, <laughs> destroying me, you know, because it made that character so over, like a right. killer. Yeah, and, uh, that, then, and that's what he was. That's why it worked. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, and then we, you know, I had the three-way with Chris and, and Joe and, and just being different uh, with that match was kind of set the tone for three-way for, for a little bit. Um, so, it, you know, I've had some great matches with those guys, man, and I am blessed to be able to wrestle with them. Now, having not been in WWE, is, is there like who? Is there a few guys over there on the WWE roster that you look at and go, "Man, I could tear the house down with that guy." I mean, you probably think that about everybody, but is there a, a, one or two that pop into mind? You know, I, I regret not ever being able to wrestle uh, Rey Mysterio. Oh, I never had wow. that opportunity, um, and I, I felt that you know him and I could definitely move around a lot, and and um, yeah, and, uh, I could ba- I could base well for him, and it would just one of the, be one of those matches that. Uh, you know, it'd be a classic, you know. I, yes. I, but, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get that opportunity, but there's definitely some guys that, you know, I've had matches with over there, like Evan Bourne. Mm-hmm. So, um, did you ever work with Dan, Did you ever work with Daniel Bryan or CM Punk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I worked both of them. and had great matches with both yeah, of them I'm in sure. Ring of Honor. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know I can tear it down with Absolutely. those guys. So. Last, yeah. uh, last question, man. Would you ever go back to TNA if the circumstances were right? Uh, never say never. <laughs> the reality is, and uh, money talks. That's and right. This is this is a business. This is what I do for a living, mm-hmm. and I will support my family. Uh, don't get me wrong; I won't whore myself out, but uh, I will support my family in any way possible that I can. And and I've said this before: TNA is like that girlfriend that I, you know that I first fell in love, my first love, mm-hmm. uh, and that they'll always have a special place in their heart for me, uh, with me, and. You know, I'll never be able to get away from that. This just is. I hope they do well. You know, I always mm-hmm. hope this stuff. Um, so never say never, like I said. Well, like you said earlier, man, you're working as much as you want to, and it's uh, it's it's very cool to see that you're going to New Japan. Good luck in your title shot, and good luck in everything that you're doing, AJ. It's been great talking to you, man. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. Let's do it again. Oh, absolutely. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Talk is Jericho. Hey, thanks to AJ Styles. Thanks to all of you for listening. I know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to schwa's from, and you have schwa's mine. I also thank you for using my Amazon link every time you do your online shopping. Really easy to find. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho, and you'll see all three of my Amazon links, UK, US, and Canada. Every time you do that, Amazon gives me a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fees or hidden charges. You're just getting your shopping done and you're helping me out in the process. You want to check it out? Go pre-order the new Fozzie record, Do You Want to Start a War, right now via Amazon, and you will hear One Crazed Anarchist, the new Fozzie song. You can check that out right now. You don't have to wait till July 22nd. As a matter of fact, I want you to go pre-order the album, and I'm going to give you a little bit of good faith, a little blind faith. I'm going to play One Crazed Anarchist for you right now. So this is it. New Fozzie right here on Talk is Jericho.
If you like it, go to Amazon.com via the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the PodcastOne.com page. Pre-order Do You Want to Start a War and get ready for the madness to begin. Get ready for the war to begin in your town. And get ready for next week. I'll be back. More talk is Jericho twice a week. I'll never leave you. Until then, thank you so much for hanging with me. Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. See you next week and a big yeah boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.